0: Don't stop firing! I think I'm being followed. My dad is turning
1: green. Like, literally green. My last nav check put me on the range point
0: four. This is Control. Be radio. Keep calm and remain on the guard frequency. Greetings, sits and soups, and you're tuned to the Guard Frequency. As all good pilots know, when you're out in the deep black, you want to keep one ear on the Guard. This is episode 044 and was recorded on October 25th and made available for download on October 28th at GuardFrequency.com. I'm Lennon. I'm Tony. And I'm Jeff. What do we have this week, Jeff? In this week's Squawk
2: Box, there's nothing like a good blaster by your side. In CIG News, we bring you everything that's happening around the UEE, including our weekly crowdfunding update. The details on the ship pipeline, 10 for the chairman, 42, and the fallout of when RSI handed over the keys to (laughs) the FTS module team. In this week's Nuggets for Nuggets, we talk all about the origins of origin. And finally, we tune in the feedback loop and let you join in on the conversation.
1: Sits and says, we're always on the lookout for talented individuals to come and join the crew here at Guard Frequency. So if you've got the creative itch that needs scratching, we'd love to hear from you. Drop an email with your experience and what you'd like to bring to the table to squawk at guardfrequency.com. Please remember that all positions here at Priority One are voluntary. This is a labor of love, but we do
0: look great on a CV or resume. We've added a new feature to our website, guardfrequency.com, a donate button. That's right after nearly a year of clockwork releases, trips to Austin and LA, and the occasional detour into lunacy, we're finally confident enough to put the hat out on the pavement and see what you'll chip in. Of course, we're happy to share our labour of love with you each week, free of charge, but it is nice to get the occasional concrete reminder that you folks out there in the verse enjoy listening to the show as much as we love making it. We hope you consider making a regular contribution. We thank the folks who have already chipped in and hope you consider making a regular contribution. A contribution, because the more support we get, the better show we can make.
2: That takes care of the housekeeping, so let's get to the show and see what's coming through the squawk box. Any hey, you boys need a carrier around here?
1: Uh, everything's under control. Situation normal. Of saying, to Squawk Box, everyone." I should have started this segment with instead of my usual homage to Battlestar Galactica's Mayday, because, ladies and gentlemen, someone has invented. The Laser Bullet. This breakthrough was announced by scientists at the Laser Center of the Institute of Physical Chemistry of the Polish Academy of Sciences and Faculty of Physics, University of Warsaw. Also known by its Polish acronym as the IPCPASAFUW, which, thanks to the Polish language's casual treatment of vowels, probably spells out a cool word like light slicer or beam bullet or something. All due respect to my old college roommate from Radom and forgetting about literally every Pollock joke ever told, this is super, super cool. The 10 terawatt near-infrared light beam is pulsed 10 times per second and specifically tuned so that it does three things. First... The beam ionizes the air as it passes through, creating a laser that is actually a laser plasma bolt. Second, the beam and plasma interact in such a way that the laser actually refocuses itself as it travels, instead of constantly dispersing. And third, it looks totally awesome when it travels through a cloud of water vapor, oh my god. Now, for now, the range of this thing is pretty limited, like centimeters but give them a few years and we'll be that much closer to replacing those noisy smoky primitive guns with a more elegant weapon from a more civilized age wait wait, whoop! whoop, sorry wrong trope this looks really cool yeah it's like uh, they had to like they couldn't film it like a laser bolt like you Hmm. would in star wars because if you wanted to film the laser bolt traveling you'd have to have a camera that could capture 10 billion frames a second Maybe just one billion frames. Either way, B, B billion with a B frames a second. Uh, and we don't have cameras that fast. So what they had to do was they had to keep firing the gun, and they just timed the camera so that the first pulse went, and then the next pulse, they took a picture of it just a little bit farther, and the next pulse a little bit farther, and the next pulse a little bit farther, little bit farther so it looked like pew, pew, pew.
0: <laughs> so, yay, laser guns, laser guns. What well, what do you reckon we'll see first, laser guns from this or the fusion reactor plant from Lockheed Martin? Um, I'm betting
1: on the laser gun. Yeah, me too. Yeah, it's surely got to fire, you know. <laughs> now, we're going to need the fusion plant to power the laser gun because <laughs> 10 terawatts, you know, that's, that's, that's a lot of power. A, that's some pretty serious juice. Uh, so, But it's, you know, delivered in a very short time frame, so the overall energy budget isn't terrible. But... Still, I mean that's a lot of that's a lot mm. of juice to be putting through. And some one of the quotes or one of the bits in there had a thing in there. They're calling it a laser missile, so it's like a laser bullet slash laser missile. And I have a hard time deciding which one's cooler.
0: Yeah, so I'm, I'm wondering with this, like you said, it takes ten gigawatts of power. So is this a sort of technology that?
1: Terawatts.
0: Sorry, I was. Terawatts. Okay, so the thing is, I know you said terawatts. In my mind, I was thinking of Back to the Future, so naturally, the first thing that came out of <laughs> my mouth was gigawatts. I'm sorry. This is about to be a Back to the Future joke. Well, it, it might be. I mean, it's for me. It's the 26th of October, 2014. This is the day they went back in time. Oh my God, you're right. And like an hour and a half ago, I went back in time. You did because time ended, done. right? Okay. Anyway, these things take uh, 10 terawatts of power. So is this the sort of technology that we're likely to see on battleships and things? You know, rather than literally handheld blasters.
1: Well, the the gear that they had sort of laid out was like a tabletop setup, right? Okay. So uh, I think if you had if you had a sufficient power source to run it, then yeah. But I mean, you know, ten terawatts, and again, I mean, you know, a watt is a it's a time unit, right? So if you're splitting it down into milliseconds of time, you know, the overall energy that you need to get that power level isn't as big. You know, you got, it's like you're dividing a watt, which is a unit per second, then you divide it up into tiny, tiny slivers of a second, and the energy isn't that bad. But I imagine that you you need a Ghostbusters like pack, right? At least. We're talking steampunkish, you know, backpack generator battery things to even try to get the thing to run it.
0: Eventually. I'll put this photo in the show notes for people to have a look at. But yeah, I've just found it. It's there gathered around a tabletop set of equipment. Kind of almost looks like some sort of Robot Wars foosball going on. And <laughs> all the scientists have stood around because they're dealing with lasers. You kind of have to ask yourself, are they wearing those shades for eye protection? Or is it just because they look damn cool?
1: I, you know, it's hard to tell. And, uh, you know, they had a kind of a real ZZ Top feel to them there. Oh, they really right? do. Only one, one guy, guy has a beard. That. Yeah. Only one guy has a beard. But if the other two guys had a beard... Yeah, they need ZZ top ears, and funny hats. Have you read, seen, or heard something you think might be interesting to other citizens or civilians? Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. Now let's check out some CIG news. Speed
0: one, seven, five, Port Bay, hands-on, approach, trigger screen, call
1: the ball. Then Get with me. Our crowdfunding update for October 25th, 2014, 58944000 Jeez, oh, people, we're back to our old tricks. Come on, we're coming up just a few bucks short of another letter for the chairman when we record on Saturdays. Thought we had this fixed. 632,000 plus citizens and 486,000 members of the UEE, a 6K jumping citizens and new ships. So we're back to that one-to-one ratio. Uh, boy, that's, uh, that's very interesting times we live in here with that.
0: Well, one of the perks of open development is that we get to see a lot of the -the behind-the-scenes processes that we wouldn't normally be allowed anywhere near. And this week, Travis Day has written a very in-depth guide to the ship production pipeline, showing us how a ship is taken from concept sketch right through to the final product. In addition, there was also a two-part interview on Around the Verse, episode 17, which was last week, and 18, which was this week, where James Pugh interviews Travis Day for a more in-the-flesh account of how this production pipeline actually works. One of the questions that the crew often get asked is, how long does it take to build a ship? Which, as you can imagine, is a bit like trying to answer the question, how long is a piece of string? However, Travis does tell us that the ships like the Carrack took almost two and a half months in the white boxing phase alone, and that is just one very small part of the concept stage. And once it's got through the concept stage, it then has to go on to pre-production, then to production, and then finally to the, um, the final stage. Well, as well as learning everything about the process, we're also given a list of ships currently in the pipeline and the various statuses of those ships. So, been wondering, is this something that more game development studios should do regardless of their funding model? Do you think it's good to get a behind-the-scenes look at what's going on, or is it something that's just best left is magic
1: i like it because then what we can do is we can take their handy little flow chart thing and go no 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 you got it all wrong see this box is drawn it's wrong places here we got to draw boxes <laughs> over here we need to add other boxes over here we need to we need to we need to Tony. put a, a, an orange Tony.
2: border over on this thing Tony. and a gold border what hmm? yeah don't you're being anal retentive again
1: oh not a guy uh, you okay uh, guilty as charged but i i do like the fact that they are you know, the big question is, well, how come it takes so long? Here's the answer why. That's great. I'm glad that they did that. But it really does open them up to the whole, okay, well, let's take a look at your process here and see if we can improve it. Which, because I love the game we're building, and no one is under any obligation to listen to us, but we're going to talk anyway, so here I go. Stand by. I like the box. The hanger ready? Have you guys seen that chart? The chart yes. that they got up there? Yeah. So, I got this box, right? It's, a, it's the, this box that says hanger ready, and it's an orange border that kind of straddles the pre production and the production phase. And at this point, once you clear these uh, flowchart boxes, once you, you know, can, can tick them off, they'll decide that it's hanger ready. I would like to propose another box that straddles the production and final, or just some more of the production subset, and call it dogfighting module ready. Let's just get some of these ships in the game where we can dogfight with it and test it and try to break it and see if we like the guns and see if, you know, that kind of stuff. Let's take some of these boxes and make a new subcategory.
2: And you bring up a very valuable point because I think one of the things that we're missing in this whole alpha, beta, final release thing is the fact that we're not actually testing the ships. So they want it so perfect to get it into the dogfighting module that we're really not testing the ships. We're kind of just playing with them. Yeah. No, I, I would like to see...
1: More rough edges. I really would, and literally with the, I mean, the, the boxes that are on here: VFX, flight animation, interior damage, exterior damage, UI, a final balance pass. I mean, hold on, whoa, 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 guys, come on now. We don't need a final balance pass in a pre-alpha stage. Just throw some things out there. We'll tell you if it's too powerful or if it's not powerful enough. You know, on the exterior damage, we spend most of the time in first person looking out at the ship. Maybe we need some exterior damage to see the other ship get taken apart, maybe, but we don't need the whole thing. Interior damage? I don't need interior damage. A couple spark sprites, that's good enough. I've been hit. Okay, I get it. I've been hit. And some of these things, I'd like to see some more rough edges, so it feels like a pre-alpha. That They're clearly trying to get this way too polished before letting us get our grubby hands on the dirty underthings of this game. And I'd like to see them carve out another little box on this production part of the graphic here. Maybe over, you know, bleeding over into the final. Maybe a little, some some box drawn around some of these flowchart checkpoints. That's dogfighting module ready. It's not arena commander ready. It's not arena commander polished. This is not something that we expect to be balanced and perfect. But we're going to throw it out there and let you fly it and see if. It's broken somehow that we didn't catch internally. Let's see if the guns work okay. Let's see what's
2: clipping. Let's see the rough edges. Are we not testers? If you alpha
0: us, do we not feedback? Yes! Yes! <laughs> just to lighten the mood a little bit more, um, as we were talking about Around the Verse, I don't know if you guys have seen it, but uh, during the MVP section, when <laughs> we was given the MVP, you need to look at Chelsea in the background. She, her face was just... Brilliant. What's Best yeah. part of the whole thing. So yeah, yeah. it's uh, at, at about 19 minutes 30 seconds in episode 18. So yeah, be sure to check that out guys.
1: The latest episode of 10 for the Chairman is out. Chris takes uh, 10 questions from the subscribers and gives us the answers that only he can as, you know, as far as he knows. And as you know the guard frequency is a specific frequency that all aircraft and control towers should be monitoring constantly. If someone out there is lost or having engine failure, panic attack some other in-flight emergency Maybe they send a Mayday on that channel. Other pilots or towers in the area will answer back on that channel with instructions or directions to get you back to smooth and level. Or if you're already crashing and burning, they'll know where to send the search and rescue people. Well, Citizen Drum asks, If you're out in the verse and die while on EVA, what happens to the ship? Does it become salvageable? Chris says, if you're out in the verse and die, your ship will stay in that instance, and for anyone in that instance, they could take it, slash salvage it, slash do something to it. The ship would persist, though. So if a friend was nearby and could salvage a ship or fly it back for you, there would be benefit to that.
0: Mm.
1: Mm. I like it as far as it goes, but I'd like it to go
0: farther. Yeah, see, what I think should happen in the game that we're building, and this really is the question, is whenever you make any type of game mechanic, be it attacking pirates or doing missions of that nature, or if it's info running or exploration, whatever it is, you always have to incentivize the mission because otherwise nobody would do it so how do you incentivize search and rescue you know what mechanic do you need in order to make it that people want to take this as a viable career path and you know is something as simple as you don't pay that high insurance premiums enough no I think,
1: yeah, again, like many of the best mechanics that they've got going here, you need to look to the real world. And really what we're talking about here is you pay people to be on call. You pay people to be on patrol.
2: You pay people to
1: hang out here in this area, and if something goes pear-shaped, deal with it.
2: You mentioned real world. So let's take some real world scenarios. We have police. We have EMTs. We have fire. We have search and rescue all kinds of other organizations out there that are quasi governmental or whatever we also have insurance and we have accidents that happen in the world now if my car broke down and a truck comes along and squashes me my car isn't available for anybody to pick up and do away with it goes back to my estate or my family or whatever
0: right but in much the same way and i i don't get me wrong, I totally get what you're saying here. I'm just like you were last week, I'm playing devil's advocate now. So that would kind of imply that you are within a safe zone. You are within the United States or the UEE, to draw a parallel. What if you were out on the fringes? What if you were out in Afghanistan and you got shot by the vandal, because I hear they're active in that area now, and your car was just left on the side of the road? There, would you say that that was, uh, well, morally aside, would you say that that was free game for salvaging if it was somewhere on the fringes of a but-
2: well, yes and no, because I probably wouldn't own the car that I was driving. I probably really would have rented it or leased it or something. I'm, again, I'm using what happens in the real world. You don't go to a foreign country and start buying property maybe you well, do. That's, where, that's where the
1: analogy breaks down though, right? Because in this world that we're hopefully going to live in sometime in the 2020s, early 2020s, I imagine, we're going to have a you know, a ship that will take through jump points and, and fly around with it. and we can choose to go through jump points that take us to places where the rule of law is tenuous at best. And if we screw up somehow and, and have our butt shut out from under us, our ship's going to be still floating out there. And we'll have taken it to that dangerous place and had horrible things happen to us and probably to some of our property. It won't yeah. be rented. You won't be able to fly to the pirate system and rent a car there or rent a ship there because they'll be like, hi, oh, you're here to rent it. Well, just go ahead and give us everything you have and then we'll uh, you know pop you out into the deep space through this airlock
2: here. Have a nice day. Okay. Okay. I will concede that. that's That's very true. Um, so
0: maybe it just breaks down a little bit because I know certainly from where I am, I could drive through to Afghanistan. I've driven as far as like the far side of France. But there's nothing stopping me taking my car across the borders, France, Germany, you know, go all the way down through Hungary. I could then drive up through and I could, in my private vehicle, get to Afghanistan if I feel stupid enough. <laughs> OK, well, yeah, yeah I would, I would well, probably not do that, suggest
2: it. you do that, but... Uh, I
0: should if, probably yeah. see if my insurance covers it. <laughs> well, is it is it whole insurance
1: or will they insure like all the contained items? Will I think the stereo? contained
0: items are worth more than my car, so <laughs> if I can get that regardless, I'd be happy.
1: <laughs> Back to the incentivizing part which is what you got to do if you want to incentivize somebody to take their private property to a dangerous place you have to make it so that it's profitable for them to show up there whether there's something to do or not now if, because it's a game you want there to be something to do but you don't want it to always be so risky that you know every time they're gambling their entire ship on the whole prospect right you know, there needs to be some minor instances, there needs to be some major instances, and you have to decide when the opposition pops up whether or not to stick around because the reward's worth it or to bug out because you know, the reward is not worth it anymore. So
2: well, I, I think, and that brings up another, another side of the question for such as us as a search and rescue organization – do we take that risk, and are the rewards worth the risk of going out and saving someone who is stupid enough to die outside their yeah. ship? Yeah, yeah. And, and again, know? and this shows what the gameplay mechanics have to do for
1: each career type that CIG is planning on doing. You know, you have to make that risk assessment on search and rescue. You have to make that risk assessment on mining. You have to make that risk assessment on running a narcotics lab in deep space. I mean, you know, every one of those things is going to have to have a, a spectrum of risk and reward to it. And there has to be mechanics where people can once the instance spawns the opposition, whether you, you decide, well, this is something worth standing my ground and fighting for and giving the rewards, or whoa, you know, the computer just spawned a bunch of stuff, or PvP wise, enough other players, opposing players showed up equipped well enough that the risk of me sticking around and fighting this out way overpowers any reward I could possibly see from it. And then, of course, if they stick around and fight and they get shot out, you need a search-and-rescue mission. So, I mean, each of those decisions are going to spawn, hopefully, more missions and more things for more players to do. Well, Citizen Shepard had an excellent suggestion on the RSI Game Ideas subforum that essentially boils down to a few steps. Step one, as part of your insurance, you can sign up to a search and rescue service, which will give you a panic button on your Moby Glass. Step two, when said Moby Glass subsystem is activated, it will generate a mission, much like bounty missions in game, allowing search and rescuers to grab the mission and head out. They also have suggestions to stop abuse of the system. Be sure to check it out and add your voice to the discussion by voting. Links will be in the
0: show notes. Well, the next module that we're going to get uh, as part of Star Citizen will be the FPS module. And this week saw the team take over the RSI Twitter, the Ask a Dev thread, and even Reddit for an AMA, which for the uninitiated is a Q&A thread, the name coming from an initialism of Ask Me Anything. A lot of discussion took place, and there is so much info about this hotly anticipated module that has now been released, and we've tried to link as much of it as possible in the show notes, but we wanted to discuss a few of our favorite bits. We should be getting the FPS module early next year.
2: And we'll be playing not only on ships, but also planet side. You'll be able to damage
1: your ship from the inside, intentionally or otherwise. Oxygen supply, various power systems, gravity, it's all available to be tampered with. Some of these things don't react well to
0: bullets. And speaking of bullets, it's not just guns that we're going to be getting. Nope, we're going to be getting tripwires, drills, holograms, medkits, and many, many other tools will be at our disposal. If a hull is breached, anything not
2: nailed down will get sucked out into space, including players. Damage will be per limb and not an overall health bar system. If you're bleeding out,
1: you're going to die unless someone or something stops the bleeding.
0: The Persistent Universe and the FPS module are going to be two separate things, so you won't have to do much of it in the Persistent Universe if you don't want to.
2: The FPS module is based on realism. The POV is not like other first-person shooter games. There will not be a third-person view
0: for the FPS module as this gives players an unfair advantage. And it turns out that... Is a misspelling of and this will sound a lot better when the show is released because both of those words would have been in post. And finally, there will be tons and tons of
2: zero G fun. See what you did there, and I'm laughing because <laughs>
1: there's no way that zero G so you can't have any. T- I like it, I like it. Yay. But is that tons kill? Well, the way you're spelling it here is that tons kilograms cos mass because well, in that case it wouldn't be as funny because the- you can't have mass in zero G.
0: I, I wrote it using the only true form of measurement, which is the metric system. And if you're going to come here spouting <sighs> your Fahrenheit this and your feet and in inches that, well, then, Tony, you know what? That's, that's absolutely fine, because I'm also quite tolerant.
1: It's not funny anymore, because
0: it's kilograms.
1: Uh, it's not uh, funny anymore. You just ruined it. You just fine, ruined it. Fine. With your divisions by tens and whatnot.
0: Fine. Fine. Jeff, I'm going to go back and read this. <laughs> fine. Take two, Jeffrey, if you will. <laughs> okay, hold on. <coughs> and
2: finally, there will be newtons and newtons of zero-g fun. There Happy now? Go. Kilogram
1: meters Jeez. per second squared. There it is. <laughs> Good old newtons, my old
2: friends. It's still just celery to me. <laughs> <laughs> or,
1: or rutabaga.
0: Yeah. Uh, okay, so getting well, back so, to the yes, issue at hand. Yes, yes, yes. Show yes, yes here we go. FPS fps module has uh, mm. the yeah. team have been out there and told us everything that they know so far or rather everything they're allowed to say so far yeah. so uh, does anything on this list particularly catch your eye
1: well i do like that there's not going to be a third person view i mean i don't like third person shooters anyway i'm not a big fan but it always seems to be silly to me to have a first person shooter and then you jump out to a third person view and look around yeah, corners it's, and it's look up high and that totally, kind of thing i agree i mean that's good I also like uh, damaging your ship from the inside. Yes. Uh, So, you know, there may be the ultimate superpower gun that's so awesome, but you can't use it on a boarding action because you'll ruin your prize. So you have to load up on you know, stun guns or other less than lethal weapons that won't hurt the electronics and the sensitive systems of the ship you're trying to take.
0: Yeah, I mean, heck, you won't even be able to use a big gun in a defensive situation <laughs> on a ship because you don't want to mm-hmm. risk blowing up something that's like your gravity so you're all floating about or if you breach your hull, oh. you know. No, 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 uh-uh. No, you want the
1: big nasty gun as a defense because theoretically they're coming through a breach. So what's behind them? Something that's already broken. Let them have it. Holy crap, yes. Give me the big old nasty gun as the ship defender because you're coming through a hole that you made my ship. I'm sending you right out that same hole with some holes in you. That actually could be kind of cool because it actually gives the defenders a bit of an advantage.
0: Yeah, yeah. The inspiration for this module, the team said, was Planetside, Counter-Strike, Rainbow Six, Armor, Delta Force, and Killzone. So it is going to be a highly tactical shooter. You know, you're not going to be running around, spray and pray, bunny hopping over obstacles, jumping out the way of bullets it's going to be, you know, sort of two, three shots and your character's down, or their character's down, hopefully, you know. And especially with this system of damage per limb, if you get shot in your right arm, you're not going to be throwing grenades, you're certainly not going to be pulling a trigger. So there's there's that whole sort of tactical system. But yeah, equally, like you said, if somebody's just coming through the side of your ship, just being able to just boom, send them straight back out the way they came in, that's, that's a powerful tactic that you've got on your side there.
1: And again, you know, you, typically, typical military engagement the defender usually has the advantage because they've had time to repair their their ground and they know it's coming so i I think that from a traditional sort of military standpoint you want bleeding into a gameplay design you want to give the defender an advantage of some kind and i think that this sort of destructible environment kind of does do that for you because they're coming at you and what's behind them has already been wrecked so
2: you just take them out i like the more tactical games than the standard call of duty where you just rush and shoot and hopefully your bullets hit something Nobody plays Call of Duty in a tactical way. If I ever find somebody that plays Call of Duty as a true squad, I will sign up for your squad.
0: One of the things that I really liked about the FPS module release was the fact that you are going to be able to interact with your system. So, you know, you can damage your systems. Presumably, you'll also be able to turn your systems on and off. So things like the oxygen supply and the gravity. Again, going back to Defender Tactics, Mm -hmm. if you could cut the gravity, but you know everybody on your ship is aware that you're going to do this. So, you know, like, everybody, okay, engage them. boots on three two one and then the attackers are suddenly floating through yep. the air and then you cut off the oxygen supply or something yeah. you know you could win a fight absolutely. without firing a single bullet
1: yeah yeah absolutely I mean but again that also gives depending if you're the attacker you could have the advantage over them because you uh, know you're going in fully suited and maybe you catch them by surprise and they're not suited and so then you start you go start going through the ships you capture an environmental control point and you space it you, you know you expose the ship to vacuum. I yeah. mean there's all kinds of good stuff you can do with that, with the idea of a destructible environment, with the idea of, you know, staying true to the to the physics of the area, the physical environment of the ship, the physical environment of the space outside it in a vacuum. All kinds of good fun possible here. I don't like first person shooters, I'm talking like I'm like I'm gonna be into this. I don't know what's yeah. the, I don't know what's wrong with me.
0: Well you say that, know. but a lot of the thing that people don't like about first person shooters is like the Twitch style action and so I think that by removing that you've kind of cut down on a lot of the reasons why people wouldn't want to play it but equally it's being called an FPS module because we are going to be doing first person shooting but the ultimate inclusion in the end universe is just going to be a first person viewpoint you know it's not necessarily going to be a shooter per se
1: preconceptions are out the door we're calling it a first person shooter module but it only has some surface familiarity with other first person shooter games it's based on first person shooter games but they're doing their own thing with it
0: yeah so So uh, as part of the Reddit Amma, one of the questions that was asked of the team is, how do you see the FPS gaming experience playing? So one of the (coughs) team gave this sort of statement, which I'm just going to read because I think it's pretty cool. I'm a stealthy solo player. I find a wrecked ship. I know scavengers will be around soon. So I find a crate and I put myself in it. I let the scavengers take the crate and put me in their ship. When I'm on their ship sometime later, I get out the crate. Very quietly, I rummage around for some goodies I like. I steal those, and now I can either A, jump out the airlock and call a ride, B, go to the engine room and self-destruct their ship, or C, quietly hunt down and execute the entire staff on their ship, much further later, or Z, or Z for you Americans, they could have scanned the crate properly before loading it on and blasted it when it was on the ship with him still inside of it. So, you know, it just opens up many avenues of gameplay, and just because it's first-person shooter doesn't mean it's necessarily going to be tactical or twitch. You could go the route of sneak on board, get out, sabotage, get out.
1: Yeah, and again, I think it's the environmental design being true to the environment that it's supposed to be in. You know, if you were going to be in 30th century Earth space here's the kind of things that single player or small crew ships these are the possibilities that open up for you a freelancer with two guys on it yeah totally take it you know sneak on board steal their stuff kill the crew space them take their ship that's absolutely a thing that people
2: naughty people might do naughty people you mean there's going to be naughty people in there Oh,
1: there's tons no. of people who want to be pirates and stuff. It's saddening, really. You know, this beautiful universe there that these visionary artists are creating for us, and they want to go in there and be pirates and stuff. I guess we're just going to have to go blow them up. And we just want to Don't give we- a huge thanks to Reddit user Brazen Normalcy for his excellent
2: distillation of the slash. And that'll sound better in post once London beeps it. And this week's community question Where the is the guard frequency logo in the organization mosaic? The first person to send a screenshot to squawk at guardfrequency.com or post to facebook.com forward slash guardfreak or tweet at guardfreak will win their choice of either a guard frequency t-shirt or an origin game pack from good old games including Wing Commanders one through five, Academy, Armada, and Privateer One and Two. But now it's time for the news
0: we didn't use. Tracker, Stop and Maintain, Stopping Slavery and Maintaining Lives. Check it out to learn how.
2: Fan spotlight, voice attack profiles, computer, ray shields.
0: Reinforcing front shield.
2: B.I.G. are still going to PAX Australia,
1: but now there's details and prices. Crocky might better throw another shrimp on the barbie.
0: And law builder 19, Cannons and Commandments. Time to praise the Lord and pass the ammunition.
2: Hallelujah.
1: We're all caught up on the latest cig news let's check out the origin of origin jumpworks in nuggets for nuggets
0: you have all flown before but you're about to enter a whole new world so pay attention that means get on your feet nuggets
1: Greetings, citizens, Welcome to Nuggets for Nuggets, where we like to delve into the guts of Star Citizen and give you all the details from the inside out. A warning up front, this game is still in active development, so anything we say is subject to change. Today, we'll be looking at Origin Jumpworks GmbH. This is the ship manufacturer, which is not to be confused with Original Systems, the future video game developer.
0: Origin is known across the UEE as the maker of luxury ships that merge class and sophistication with the inherent danger of space travel. Their sleek designs and comfortable interiors are a preferred choice of those endowed with large amounts of credits. It's the kind of ship some holier-than-thou rich pilot might park, straddling two hangar slots so no one can land close enough to scratch his precious ship. I know those guys.
2: Origin was incorporated in the 28th century during the golden age of the Anti-Mana Rush. For their first decade, Origin originally organized to originate high-quality fusion engines for Robert Space Industries and Aegis Dynamic Star Yachts. After a decade, when the need for more personal spacecraft arose, their customers became competitors. Within another decade, they were producing the top five mid-scale
1: composite transports. Within 50 years, they were neck and neck with RSI for gross profits in the manufactured spaceship field. This shows that in the future, if you sell an item with an I in the name and make it look sleek and shiny, you can still sell it for a premium price.
0: Founded on the banks of the Rhine in Cologne, Germany, originally the company retained strong ties with Earth, even going so far as to insist on manufacturing all components in system. Later, the then president of the company, Jennifer Friskers, made the declaration that Terra was the new cultural capital of the UEE and moved the company headquarters to New Austin on Terra. Origin is now a key employer in the area, and essentially, New Austin is now a company town where tourists almost never leave without a 300 series shot glass or a piece of dangling Moby Glass bling.
1: I'll kick it off by saying Chivalry Bean is doing a fine job. He recently took over uh, composing Nuggets for Nuggets with us. I'm never going to forgive or forget the origin originally originated to originate. That was... That was, that was. All right, right there, Justin. Right there.
0: For bonus points, if you can tell me what GmbH stands for.
1: Oh, he, he, again, very thorough, our Mr. Mister mm-hmm. Wellmaster. He put that in one of our chat discussions earlier. Hold he on did. a can He just, and he hit
0: around. Right? And on, you on, get on, bonus points say. for pronunciation Gesellschaft mit beschränkter Haftung. or How does that mean,
1: like, incorporated? Uh,
0: limited Liability Company, LLC. It's the German version.
1: So uh, the keeping with the uh, with the fiction, right? Yes. You know, it's a German company incorporated in uh, Germany. In yep. A Thousand years from now, I'm glad they're still using the terminology. I'm getting, they're apparently
0: still ago. speaking German.
1: Apparently still speaking German, uh, and apparently as uh, as we pointed out, still selling things for ridiculous amounts of money as long as you can put a lowercase i in the name somewhere. Yep. You know, I think uh, I think that you know the, the future's in, in good hands. Also, I do like the fact they moved to New Austin. <laughs> you know, you know nothing nothing weird about that. Of course, uh, with the branch of CIGB. Being in Austin, he went to fiction.
0: Of course, if they were sticking with the original German, it would be Herkunft jumpworks. So
1: yeah, I don't think anybody would buy that. Origin people would buy. I
2: have a three hundred and fifty R, and I'm still looking for that BMW-ish kind of pizzazz to it. They seem to be more Daimler than they do BMW.
1: Well, I mean, but you got the you got the racer now, right? I mean, all the all the guts, all the uh, all the all the soft edges are. Have supposed you to be ever been out out, a
2: right? Beamer? That's uh, the full race version. This thing's like a technological wonder.
1: Well, I've been in, I've been in expensive BMWs, and they, I mean they're like floating little castles. You know, it's like you know, on the commercials. It's just you know, it's it's all it's all leather yeah, it's and wood and stuff. up displays and voice activated you know, this and, you want, and you're like, oh you're, my
2: gosh, it's just
1: yeah, you're ready to go over the autobahn into some Teutonic forest somewhere where it always just got done raining. You know, it's never actually <laughs> raining, and it's, the road is never dry. It always just got done raining. I mean, that's the BMW feel. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's what they're going for.
0: I will, I will have to go a little bit with Jeff, though, on this. I've got a 300i, and I know what you mean. It just doesn't quite have that. I, I can't explain what it is, but to begin with, yeah, it used to feel like a luxurious craft, but I think as they've been bringing out the, the designs of certainly the things like um, the Constellation, and heck, even some the polish they've put on the freelancer the 300i does feel like it's been a little bit left behind and could do with a bit of a lick of paint a bit of a touch-up to bring it up to bmw standard
1: you know what you know what audi yeah i get get an audi
2: feel from the interior of the 300i are you new to the verse and need a bit of advice is there a tidbit of lore some sit or civ taught you that we all should know let us know by dropping us an email to squawkyguardfrequency.com but for now let's tune into the feedback loop and let you join in on the conversation Okay, buddy, what's on your
0: mind? We're all friendlies, so let's just be friendly. Coming to us from our show post at guardfrequency.com, Dilek writes in and says, Based on this show's discussion, then, the basic premise of the Persistent Universe has one big and unfair caveat. You can do anything you want in the verse as long as you buy the ship for it? Well, then, that takes away the major appeal of the game for me. The idea of buying any ship, then updating it to do whatever you want. That's going to be getting lost. Dilek is a sad Dilek. Anyways, another entertaining and cool podcast. I might even start clicking that donate button. Well, we'd advise that regardless of whether you think it's a good podcast, because we'll also take donations if you want us to shut up. You know, it works two ways right. on that. We're pretty good. Right. Right.
1: Yeah. If but you yes. send a note saying "shut up" with the pod, we might consider it. Maybe we might. Maybe
0: maybe. Just to be sure we might need two or three verifiable sources before we'll do that but going back to your point about the any ship being upgradable to do anything you want yeah, I think with the loss of hard points whenever it was uh, back way back when, when Tony went off on a bit of a rant, that was probably the uh, we should have spotted what was happening then I think and it's a real shame that you're not going yeah. to be able to buy a ship and upgrade it like that, at least not straight away.
1: Yeah, Man am I tired of being right, huh? Huh? Yeah. Huh? Yeah, so I, you know, my Constellation lost us 20 upgrade points, and I, I, I think you're right. I think it was the beginning of the end for this idea of taking a ship and then just doing whatever you wanted with it. This is a much better business model, just pure and simple, plain and end. But I will give you, Dillick, I will leave you with one scrap of hope. Once the universe
2: launches, you can earn the money in the game to buy your new ships. Sean Newboy writes, wonderful show. I will have to plead the fifth on morality, although I want primarily to be an engineer, salvage repair expert. Well, that's mm. up to you. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Well, he's pleading the fifth there, which means that under penalty of criminal punishment, he's refusing to testify against himself. So we're mm-hmm. gonna have to keep an eye on Sean Newboy because we, we 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 get the message there. I, we, I don't know that the to. fifth
2: applies in the UEE universe, though.
1: Uh, probably call it something else, but I'm sure they
2: still
0: have some. I was gonna say here in Britain, it's the right to remain silent. So you know,
1: yeah, but we, you know, we're we're Americans, so we can't say anything the right way, right? You call it a lorry, we call it a truck. You call it the right to remain silent, we say plead the fifth. Yeah. From the RSI forum post, we are from Berserker01. At this point, I'm not expecting the full game coming out until 2018, maybe. It's obvious several different studios haven't worked out like they hoped it would. They also will be suffering from funding in about six months when they don't even have Arena Commander 2.0 out, and the older backers start questioning if they can ever get the game out, with other games like Elite Dangerous and No Man's Sky being released and being successful. Call me pessimistic, but I'm already starting to question if we won't just get Arena Commander and maybe Squadron 42, and they will throw their hands up and say... We're done because they start running out of money. $60 million is a lot of money, but not when you stretch the development process out over two or three
2: more years. Well, I'm hmm. kind of agreeing with him. I mean, I bought the, the second package from Elite Dangerous because, honestly, I'm building a new rig to handle today's games and next year's games, possibly. But, you know, I don't want to keep rebuilding it every year. Come on. You know, between that and the cost of the
0: ships is crazy. I have to agree with them. Obviously, when you stretch it out over two to three years, it's only 20 million a year, which in terms of game dev is not that much money at all, which is why, again, I've said it a couple of times, I think they need to stop bringing in new items because each new item you bring in, you have to extend the development period for. With all these new ships that they're bringing out, maybe they just need to put a cap on it and say, we'll develop what we've got and then we'll look at adding more because every new ship that they bring in, they have to do an extension to the development period, which will spread the money out even further. So, yeah, again, Berserker, I'm, I'm with you. I, I personally maybe... Because I do a podcast about it, I'm a little bit more optimistic that we will get the finished game, but the rest of it I really agree on.
1: I'm going to agree and disagree on, on this. I think that this is the better thought out version of like the usual media stuff we get about, oh, well, we'll see if they ever deliver. Blah. I mean, this is an actual, this is a very well analyzed and well thought out question that an investor would ask. Like, fine, we keep on sinking money into this project and you keep on pushing the development backwards that means to me that you're going to be coming to us for more additional rounds of funding over and over again because the money isn't going to last that long. What's going on behind the scenes there that continues to do this? Now, we, we've talked about this on our show. There's, like Lennon's saying, you know, there's a feature or, or asset creep. You know, the more things you add in it, the longer time it takes. There's the problem of expectations. You know, we want every single job in the verse to have things to do, right? So there's miners and search and rescue and, and player luxury transport ships. And, I mean, there's just a variety of things that need to be fleshed out in order for all the players to have all their different types, types of gameplay that they want to do. But I think that the real issue here is that they are now on a tightrope. And the tightrope is strung out over this pit that is running out of money. And on the one side is funding the game through additional ship concept sales. And the other side of that is taking more money and promising more stuff. Because what they've got now is a revenue model. We discussed this before, too. They've got a revenue model where they promise more ships and they get a couple million bucks in a couple weeks. Holy cow. But at the same time, Lennon, they run into the problem you're talking about. Right now, they're walking over this pit and they're balancing it okay for now because the crowdfunding numbers keep going up and up. Now, the question is how far is that rope? How many steps do they have to take to get across the pit of running out of money? And that is the real problem. If they can get to the other side of the pit soon, they won't have the problem. But there will be a moment where people stop giving the money. And they're going to be that that poll they're counting on to balance them across there is going to start tipping way over on stuff we've promised
2: and get real light on the side of money coming in. And that balancing act is going to give way. And, you know, you have to think that I mean, I really believe in Chris Roberts, but I'm wondering what advice he's getting from and, and how he's making basing these decisions on because. It doesn't take much to go from being the most epic game development ever and getting all these kudos for being the most crowdfunded to being the epic fail of the internet. Sure. Yeah. You know, it, it's a short it, trip. It's a short, very short trip. And I believe that it's great to get all this candy out there to the to the masses, but at what cost? Yeah. Have- but here's the thing, Jeff. If we get a piece of candy every week, we
1: won't care that we don't have the giant pile of candy for a little bit longer. I think that's really what's got to happen is that the regular pace of sales is fine because that funds you. Match that with regular releases of stuff. And we keep on being promised over and over again, hey, you guys are going to start seeing some of the fruits of our labor you know, more often. And that's good, but don't couple that with pushing the schedule back too. Or at least give us some of the stuff, give us some of the candy, and then push the schedule back so we get used to the idea that, well, we're not going to have the whole game, but we are going to get a new ship in the uh, dogfighting module, dogfighting module, every couple weeks. You know, this is when this one's going to be out, the next month it's going to be this one, the next it's going to be that one
0: permanent starlight sends us in a tweet from twitter surprisingly he's not going to send one from facebook is he says much better music format for the news we didn't use bonus points for no blown out clipped news we didn't use hollering at the start yeah sorry about
1: that we do pretty good here with our stuff here but sometimes we try something that doesn't work so we'll throw it out it's okay
0: yeah we, we did that with tony once but
1: he proved a little bit more popular
2: than we thought so we threw him back in again Yeah. i mean they tried to get rid of me but i kept on coming back Well, Ken from Chicago ponders, since it's not Star Captain but Star Citizen, is there an option for people to play without ships, couriers, hirelings, etc.? Plus, isn't Star Citizen supposed to have some kind of public interstellar transportation akin to a bus and or taxi system? Good
0: points. Chris was talking about in one of the 10 for the Chairman's how the game isn't going to have a demo so much as it is going to have a free-to-play entrance but as soon as you want to do anything in your own ship you buy a pilot's license so you'll be able to enter the verse you'll be able to do all the jobs that don't require a ship you'll be able to be a hireling, a courier, that type of thing, and then when you actually want to do a job that requires a ship, then you buy a ship, then you pay for the game, and then you know you can experience the full thing of that.
2: Yeah, I think it's a great system. And well, you know, it's funny that you you know talk about that because I I just I just got this picture of this wide vast universe and and somebody who's lived their entire life on planet and is, and is a grounder all they do is do the uh, i mean are is there going to be enough missions and and things to do and You know, could you live your entire life on the ground without ever having to go into space? I think you could. I mean, but I think you won't have nearly as much fun. I hope they do have lots of
1: stuff for, you know, as you're saying, grounders or whatever you want to call them to do. They could run a store. They could trade uh, goods and services. You know, they could corral NPCs. You know, they could be like the temp agency guy. You know, they could help rate and organize getting NPCs to pilots. But I think it's a great mechanic if you want to invite your buddy to play the game and basically say, hey, come fly one of my ships for me on a couple of trade routes. Play the game with me. Fly my wing as an escort. Uh, And then if you like it, you can go buy your own ship.
2: I mean, I think that's a great way to get your buddies into the game. I see a lot of this game as being akin to Second Life, you know, where it's a persistent, always-on, always-evolving life that people spend a great deal of their time in. (laughs) Because I know I
1: will be. Let's hope so, in 2018 or so. From guardfreak.reddit.com, we hear from Freestyle270, another good episode. One thing to keep in mind with the Avenger, they are prioritizing game mode specialized ships and Squadron 42 ships first. I would expect to see the Gladius and possibly even the Gladiator before the Avenger, though I hope I'm wrong since I want to see the Avenger in flight more than any other ship. I get that sentiment. I really do. I get why it might make sense for them from a production standpoint to focus on the Squadron 42 ships, even though Squadron 42 has been pushed back. But you got to take some customer expectations into account here, and you got to dribble out the candy.
0: And Sochi123 says From CitizenCon 2013 to CitizenCon 2014, they have scaled up everything also went from 90 employees to 280 employees, so not seeing so much in 2014 was probably due to some growing pains and, of course, some testing. So, I guess the big party has been moved to 2015. At least, I hope so. Winky face. Winky face, yeah. Not
1: 2016
0: or 2017, yeah. I reckon it's more 2017 than it is 2015, but, yeah, who knows? They might surprise us. Look at the Persistent Universe demo. None of us were expecting that, and they were able to show that off, so...
2: And a reminder this week's community question, where the f- is the Guard Frequency logo in the organization mosaic? First person to send a screenshot to squawk at guardfrequency.com or post to facebook.com forward slash guardfreak or tweet to at guardfreak will win their choice of either a Guard Frequency t-shirt or an Origin game pack from good old games including Wing Commanders 1 through 5, Academy, Armada, and Privateer 1 and 2. So how was the show? Did we answer your questions
1: like you hoped, or did we just soften the disappointment? Either way, let us know. Here are some ways you can get in touch with us. Check out our forum post at forums.robertspaceindustries.com.
0: Leave a comment on this episode's show notes at guardfrequency.com, and you can subscribe to us, feeds.guardfrequency.com, or you can just find us on iTunes.
2: Hit us up on Twitter at guardfreak, and start an argument on our Reddit at guardfreak.reddit.com. And leave a comment and like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash guardfreak. And if you're lucky, I might just butcher your name live on the air. And if you're old school like us, shoot us an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. Your feedback is an important
1: part of what we do, so take a minute, tell us what's on your mind.
0: And that brings us to the end of episode 44 of Guard Frequency. We'll be back with episode 45 on November 4th, so be sure to keep an eye out for our shows at guardfrequency.com or the official Robert Space Industries fansite subforum. Please
1: send us your feedback about the show. Aside from all the ways we just ran down in the feedback loop, you can also use the contact form on our website. All the details for all the ways you can get in touch with us can be found in the show notes.
2: Do you like what we do? Want to come and help us make the best damn space sim podcast ever? If so, just send a note to squawk at guardfrequency.com. And if you just can't get enough spaceship podcasting, why not check out our sister publication, Priority One. They cover Star Trek Online and the greater Star Trek universe. Just go to priorityonepodcast.com. Are you looking for a friendly wingman or two, or three, or 60? Check out our organization, Guard Frequency Response, at the official
1: RSI website, robertspaceindustries.com, forward slash orgs, forward slash guardfreak. And if you're not doing anything Saturday nights, then you should join us live over at guardfrequency.com slash live. We start recording around 8 p.m. Central, and that's Sundays at 1 a.m. GMT for one week only. Thanks, DST.
0: We would like to thank the entire team at Guard Frequency and the Priority One Network. Thanks to our community manager, Justin Chivalry Bean Lowmaster, our artist, Simon Chawton Edwards, and our assistant audio engineer, Michael Duncan. Thanks to our syndication partner, The Bass, and special thanks to Ronald Jenkies for his permission to use his music in our show. Visit ronaldjenkies.com for more of his work. But above all, we especially want to thank you folks for tuning in. If there's no one listening out there, the deep black gets pretty lonely.
1: Reduce thrust. Time to one 15 Squawk 7700-15. Stay
2: on the guard. Well, I read I read uh in the feeds that I was get I get from Ars Techno and all that that uh it is now, uh It is is now the most of any uh, Kickstarter uh, program ever.
1: Yeah, crowdfund yeah, this is the highest funded crowdfunding project ever. Yeah. Imagine what would happen if we wanted to do something actually useful.
2: I know. Isn't that scary?
1: Frightening. <laughs> the guard frequency is a, pacif- a Pacific frequency. Yeah, it's not the Atlantic. It's, you know, screw the Atlantic. It's only a Pacific
2: frequency. <laughs> As you know, the guard frequency. <laughs> Cyclops offline. <laughs> that is awesome. Did that
1: thing just say "By your command"? Yep. Crocky mate, better throw another shimper on the Barbie. Another shimper on the Barbie, eh? Uh, do you want to do that again? Yeah, you're gonna need to. Okay, okay, we'll I'll do it again. Though. Do it. Nothing again. like nothing like faking to be an Australian. Love it, love it, love it. <laughs> Crocky mate, better to throw another shrimp on the. Third time is the charm. Wait, Have
0: through. I made you all nervous, Tony?
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: you did. I'm a little
1: self-conscious now. You know, now, now, now I'm only worried about doing the accent right. I'm worried about pronouncing it, pronouncing it,
0: pronouncing it right.
1: You should worry Another about pronouncing we'll your it.
0: English. Yes. Um, there is a – Yes. Excellent. Well-spoken. <laughs> Thank okay. you. I was going to say no. the exact same thing. No, no, we do. We do know –
2: Quotes there. My fingers are up in the you know double entendres.
0: Um, <laughs> Your fingers are up
2: in the double entendres. <laughs> my in the double
1: entendres. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh my god, that's it! Oh, that's so in. <laughs> my fingers are up in the double entendres. <laughs> if you know what I mean. For their first decade, they. Uh, for their first decade, they or. or Origin originally organized. <laughs> <laughs> I think Shiv did that on purpose, that bastard. Yeah.
1: Origin originally organized. I love that. Okay, try that again.
2: For their first decade, Origin originally organized to originate high-quality fusion engines for Robert Space Industries and Aegis Diamond.
1: I'm going to fail that, but I'm going to give it a shot anyway. That will be good radio. That'll be entertaining. Gel- Okay, he didn't even get through it. Okay, so now it's my turn. Uh,
0: Gesellschaft mit Birkenschrankter Hoftung. Close, close. Gesellschaft mit Birk-. Wow, even I can't do it. Look at that. Yes. The guy who speaks German failed miserably. <laughs> of course, if they were keeping, you know, if they were speaking German, it would be works. Wow. Pronounce the German. F*** up the English. Let's try that again. Oh, for God's sake. Are you still here?